Traffic tickets, snare drums, and cymbals, it's pun intensive. Welcome to Pun Intensive. Sitting around the table today, we have five folks you're going to get to know well, but let me just start off with their names. He knows when you are sleeping, David Guggenheim, Guggenheim, the best bike rider in the group, Bill Kreider. You're reading his original novel novels, Gary Halleck. The unstable roof is David in, Dave Wallace. And I just came from the garage to put air in my tires. Your host, Aaron Faisal. Stop shaking your head, Dave. The... (laughs) I just want to shake hands with the writer of that joke. I, w- I want to interject here that you said, folks, you're going to get to know well. Is this a Christmas show? Well, in just a few days, it will be Christmas. Our listeners have long since experienced that. But for us, it is just around the corner. That's a good point. Actually, all of us are pretty used to coming up with puns in casual conversation. And that brings us to our first segment, Zinger of the Week. Let's go ahead and have the man, the myth, and former producer of the O. Henry Punoff, Gary Halleck, start off. What was your zinger this week? Well, I'm going to introduce the concept of zinger of the week, of course, which is uh, the way that I get more and more long-winded all the time. Talking here about spontaneous generation of allegedly witty wordplay that a fortunate few of us may rear its head urgently several times a day, insisting that we stick our own necks out even when it's wholly inappropriate. So it's not just a good joke you heard somewhere, it's a good joke you made or a good joke that you almost made or a good opportunity that you might have missed. Mm -hmm. And so with that in mind, I'm going to let Bill begin because I'm looking for my notes here. Okay. Bill Kreider, a longtime Panoff attendee, twice competitor and twice a judge. Um, Go ahead, Bill. Well, since Ruth Bader Ginsburg has been in the news lately, I got to wondering, what does Ruth Bader Ginsburg eat during Hanukkah, and the only thing I could figure it was was judicious. <laughs> <laughs> that, my friends, is a pun. <laughs> All right, and I'll go ahead on the Christmas theme, too. I was actually at the store the other day shopping for some shoes, and, of course, they're playing Christmas music, and what came on while I'm trying on shoes? All I want for Christmas is shoes. And there was nobody there to appreciate it but me. <laughs> Maybe not even now. All right, let's move on to Dave Wallace, uh, improviser, comedian, and production guy, and even pun-off champion, Dave Wallace. So uh, mine happened while at work, and unfortunately my inner sensor was off for some reason, and I said it anyway. Um, Behind me, where I sit, we have a streaming uh, video service that just kind of shows nature scenes all the time. Hmm. And this time it was showing bears uh, at a creek or a river capturing salmon. But then it stopped. It, like the stream ended and the, the screen froze and people were just staring at it. So I looked behind me and said, wow, that's a great picture. Did somebody take that with a Kodiak? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very little. It was almost more than I could bear. <laughs> Something fishy about that one. <laughs> And David Guggenheim, the man responsible for the successes and the failures of next year's Panoff, what is your zinger of the week? Well, I was in a department store, and they were doing one of those once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. This young woman was stacking a pyramid-shaped display with snow globes. Mm -hmm. And right as she was 
putting one of the final snow globes on the display toward the tip of the pyramid. It slipped from her hand, bounced off the levels as it headed for the ground. Boom, 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 crash. Just as I was walking by, and I looked at her and said, Rosebud. <laughs> and that's awesome. It was one of those tree in the forest moments. It'll never happen there was again. nobody there that got the <laughs> oh. joke. She just looked at me like I was some kind of pervert. <laughs> and, uh. and incidentally, not a pun. <laughs> I'm going to give you props on that one right there. Yeah, no, that's, that was, I, that's my favorite. That was yeah. solid. Talk, talk about puns, puns that die or, or opportunities that die when no, nobody's there to, to hear. I think I may have mentioned before on this that, that I, I went for a colonoscopy years and years ago, and I was already somewhat doped up, and they put me on this little gurney to roll me in there and everything, and I, and I said, uh, oh, wow, this is a strange little gurney here, you know, like we're going to take a sentimental gurney, and I've started making puns <laughs> and stuff, and I, and I said, you know, this is really strange, you know, polyp checks make strange beds, fellows, <laughs> and got a good round of laugh. For the, this was 12 <laughs> years ago. Went back for my colonoscopy again. Now, 12 years later, I think, I'm going to pull this one off again, you know, in place, in context, everything's great, you know. I got in there. All these young people, nobody knows that expression. <laughs> Pol politics make strange bedfellows. 12 years later, it's totally dead. I tried it four or five times, and everybody's, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Breathe deeply now, go under, good night. <laughs> I, um, at my day job, made a reference. To, it, was, it was in a chat group, and I told them to go into terminal and type in commands and then hit the carriage return. And nobody, <laughs> carriage nobody return. had the foggiest idea was I would type. And I'm not even that old. Yeah. I, I don't know how I came up with that. But, but at first I rolled my eyes and I... Carriage I, returns went out with buggy whips, with right? <laughs> <laughs> I want to share one too. Actually, this is from my little guy. Uh, he's nine. And we were driving around uh, not too long ago. He and, and, and uh, you know, he, he noticed that I had missed something. He said, okay, that's okay. We're going to U-turn. And he said, U-turns are evil. <laughs> and I really had to think about that. And I said, I don't understand. And he said, because they're always telling you what to do. I, I, I was very impressed with that. Over, yeah, they're overbearing, right? <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, uh, and, and that's a decent enough way to go out of our first segment. So uh, give us just a few moments here, and we will be back. a game. It's called the Holiday Movie Queue. Now, of course, while you listeners are coming off your holiday high, as we record this, we are ramping up for it. Hopefully, we'll take some time to catch up on our movie list during that time off. And, well, I was wondering what you guys have in your queue. The taglines are optional. Now, for example, three I have here are Christmasin' Impossible, Ethan's on the Hunt for the Perfect Christmas Gift, Die card. Roll the die and pick a card. It's Christmas Terrorism in Vegas and Santa Blanca, starring Claude Reindeer. I don't remember Claude Rains being in Casablanca, but then again, I've never seen it, so it probably didn't help. That me. would explain it, yeah. No, no he, he's, he's <laughs> the guy who said, I'm shocked, shocked. Uh, still didn't really help because I told you, I haven't seen it. That's a famous line. Okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Well, I've got one just kind of popped in there. Star Wars, A New Hope, literally. You know, because Jesus and the North Star. And <laughs> s 
No, I, that's good. That, that pun <laughs> comes with a pamphlet. Here you go. Let me explain it to you. Many, many years ago, there was an opera that was produced on TV about last-minute shoppers trying to pick up bargains at the shopping mall. And it was called A Mall in the Night Visitors. A mall in the night visitors. Yeah, no, not not registering on this. I don't know that there, there, there was there was a show called A Mall on the Night Visitor. Oh, but there you go. Yeah. Um, at the top of my list is Manacled on Forty Second Street. It's a show about how they locked up a harmless homeless man who thought he was Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, and then there was that episode of The Simpsons where uh, where the Papa got got left alone. You know, Homer alone. There's the bad Santa Claus when the lawyers got together to rewrite the employment contract. Nice. Because he had a bad clause. And then there's that Harrison Ford movie where his wife goes missing on Christmas when Tickle Me Elmo came out called Frantic. (laughs) Trust me, that's just the name of the movie, and if you were there for Tickle Me Elmo... It was a frantic time. Ah, okay, okay. (laughs) And then one of my favorites, Home Alone, a documentary on how to refinance your house. Oh. (laughs) There's the California version, Tickle Me Elmo's Fire. (laughs) (laughs) There's a new one coming out. It's a sequel to Fifty Shades of Grey. It's called Dr. Strained Love. It's what happens when middle-aged people try to do the things in Fifty Shades of Grey. (laughs) And, and then there's that that one uh, about um, uh, Santa and Mrs. Claus. It was like an X-rated movie about Santa and Mrs. Claus. Uh, she 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 really got into his uh, bowl full of jelly. You know, it's called Love Act Jelly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. That's a Christmas movie <laughs> for the kids. And then there was the musical version of Christmas Carol that was scored by Philip Glass. You know, it was uh, Philip Scrooge. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> oh, that's right. There was the one where Christmas replaced Mother's Day. It was called Matrix. <laughs> tricks. Like like Christmas tricks? Sure, why okay. not? <laughs> <laughs> And then there's the Christmas story from the viewpoint of Joseph. There's something about Mary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the more I think about that one, the funnier it gets. <laughs> Aaron Spelling, he had a great holiday movie called The Christmas Story. <laughs> <laughs> this is a famous Vietnamese Christmas movie, Apocalypse Snow. Wow. Yeah, that's a good one. They showed that as a double feature with Cold Finger. <laughs> the Hearth of Darkness. <laughs> Brilliant. Starring Chimney Cricket. <laughs> There's that classic Christmas tale of uh, when Russians meddled with the 2016 election, Kremlins. <laughs> and then there was a time that Santa got just a little bit too much to smoke in Colorado and uh, ate all the cookies he could find. Man of La Munchies. 
I like that that uh, sort of semi-animated show that Tom Hanks was in, where he was he played multiple characters, the Bipolar Express. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Santa's Christmas Deliverance. You've got a pretty mouth. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of Rudolph you. <laughs> oh, good heavens. There was that Christmas special about that a, that alien from that, that sitcom, uh, Alf. What is it, Elf? Yeah, Elf. 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 Oh. Elf. Ha! That's a good one! Ha! <laughs> sort, of, sort of a visual one there. You have to see. Here, lucky, lucky. Uh... Before you get up for that final snack, I want you to know I'll be right back. Ha! <laughs> That's like the only NBC impression that I do. I was just thinking about the King's last Christmas movie, Elvis on the Shelf. And with that, we will be back. Thanks for hanging on here with us. We're going to have a brief discussion here. It is traditionally, maybe even vestigially known as, is it a pun? The is it a pun discussion, Bill had some thoughts about the uh, the art of punnery. Is that a word? It is now. Okay. <laughs> what was on your mind? Well, I wanted to talk about just beyond humor in puns. People think of puns mostly as jokes. But I don't think of puns just as jokes. I think puns as more of a performance. Puns, I think, are an intellectual exercise. And I think of punners as artists in the sense that there is a lot of intellectual work that goes into making a good pun. Now, a lot of people just parrot puns. There are a lot of punners that have just heard a good pun and they repeat it because it's funny. And a lot of puns are funny, but a lot of puns, the pleasure that I get out of them is not out of the humor that's intrinsic in them. And many of them aren't even necessarily funny. And that's why some people groan at them, because they're not funny. But there is intellectual exercise that goes into making a good pun. And sometimes we laugh at them. But for me, a lot of times I hear a good pun and I think that really works. It's not necessarily funny, but it's a thing of beauty because it takes a concept and the sounds, not only the sounds, but sometimes the sights and the concepts involved. For example, earlier my zinger of the week was, what does Ruth Bader Ginsburg eat during Hanukkah? And the answer was judicious. Well, okay, that's kind of funny, but also it works on several levels. Yeah, it mixes up quite a few... Concepts. Concepts. She's Jewish, so it's judis dishes, and it's Hanukkah. But also, she is in the judicial branch of government, so it works on several levels. So, to me, a pun that works on multiple levels and combines multiple concepts, like a judge in the judicial branch, judicious, that works on one level, but judicious, because she is Jewish and she's eating them during Hanukkah, that's a different level. So I really love puns, and I admire puns and punsters who come up with puns that work on multiple levels. And during the pun-off, whenever someone comes up with a pun that works on multiple levels and does it really fast, that is really something to admire. Especially admirable if they have actually come up with it 
extemporaneously really fast. Yes. It's something they had cocked and loaded in their in their lexicon, maybe still admirable because they can pull it out when they need it. Right. But uh, if it's you know if it's something that you already have and you use occasionally, like I do, my polyp checks make strange bedfellows right. <laughs> every twelve years. <laughs> then, then I don't get credit for being quite so witty. Well, but when you used it the very first time, yeah. that was it, it was both humorous and admirable for the intellectual exercise, especially because you were basically being doped up at the moment. And when I hear that kind of a pun, it's like seeing a cellist perform or seeing a ballerina dance or hearing someone sing an aria. That's art to me. I think, uh, especially at the pun off, but just actually really just your day-to-day punning, a big Part of that is the same thing that Dave, I know, can relate to this quite a bit with uh, improvisational comedy, right? You know, not to say that the jokes are or are not inherently funny, but the idea that somebody came up with that on the spot really impresses the audience and it it adds a whole different texture to it. It, There's a solid difference between humor and wit. Yeah, and, and ah, that's good. Puns are definitely the soul of wit because it's all about the, the speediness of which you come up, the delivery, and how you build it. And, of course, the inevitable groan from the audience. <laughs> and I've always said that if they groan, they got it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, so, Bill, let me ask you this. You're talking about it could be a good pun, but not necessarily funny. Correct. What makes a pun funny? Well, I can tell you what typically gets people to groan, that, you know, the, the puns elicit. It's kind of twofold. Typically, especially for us in uh, just day-to-day operations of life, if we come up with a pun, it's unexpected, and it's typically off-topic or not really germane to the conversation. We just, you know, spit it out, even though we're mm-hmm. in a work environment. And while it might be funny, it might be witty, it's not necessarily welcome, but it's also recognized at the same time. So it's that kind of like, oh, that was good and completely unnecessary. <laughs> Whereas if we're in competition or, you know, uh, just people are expecting it, they're kind of anticipating what's going to come next, mm-hmm. right? So they're not looking for any kind of world-shattering revelation. It's just a pun, but it happened. It made sense. And so, ah, this is where we're supposed to grow. So are you saying that one context is funnier than the other? Yes. Absolutely. Which one? I, the second one. is okay. Yeah, okay. It's okay. kind of the, the environment and where yeah. you're... Sp- the flip side of the question is what makes a pun not funny? Or, or why can a pun be technically a pun yet not funny? Mm-hmm. Essentially, what allows you to make humor out of a pun is when you are able to put it in that proper context. Of course, if you're in a conversation or something, that's, that helps. Just like a comedian will set up a series of jokes all based on the same situation. And, and because he's got a whole series going on there, you're already in that mindset and you're able to accept, you know, what, what's mm-hmm. the deal with the airline peanuts or whatever, you know, <laughs> the deal. And, and, and so you, you, you get boom, 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 seven or eight uh, that, you, that you wouldn't have been able to do as solo. So if you, are, if you are making a pun on a subject that's already in play, then everybody's all ready to receive that, whereas it might might just totally fall flat if you just said, hey, I got this blah, 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 blah. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Paul Checks make strange bedfellows. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> no context. And so a really funny punt is going to not only play on the words, but it's going to play on the topic and the situation. If you can insert it you know, in, into a conversation all that much better because you look so much more uh, intelligent. So well, The audience has a lot to do with it also. I mean, the old saying that if a tree falls in a forest and there's no one there to hear it, does it make a sound? I kept a bunch of friends in my apartment complex in college up 
till four in the morning arguing that. And I said, no, if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it, it does not make a sound. So puns are only funny if there's somebody to hear it. Someone to appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now by appreciate it, I mean understand it. I don't mean necessarily be amused by it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. my, my puns that come with a pamphlet. Those are really <laughs> tough to sell sometimes. <laughs> well, so we've touched on two things that are critically important for a pun to be funny. And it's, it's part of the wider concept of humor. And that is the context and the unexpected. Something is only funny if it's unexpected. Something that is expected is not funny. It has to be unexpected to someone. Now, for example, when you do a practical joke, it's unexpected to the person it's done to. It's not unexpected to the person who's doing it. And it may not be humorous to the person it's done to, but it's humorous to the person who's doing it. I wanted to add something to that. I have maintained for the longest time, and ironically, puns are the exception to this, I think, very solid rule. All comedy is rooted in pain. When you think about anything that amuses people, there's something about it that's painful to some degree. So, you know, people are amused by Sally pulling the football from Charlie Brown or, you know, self-deprecating humor, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I, I don't know that and, actually. And slapstick. Well, that's it's a safe course. Yeah. That, that, that's one way of generating humor is to have it uh, oriented in, or grounded in pain. But... Uh, there's plenty of humor out there that has no pain involved. I, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't agree. I haven't yet found it. If you think long and hard about the thing that is okay. funny. One of the oldest jokes I ever heard in my life from kindergarten, what's black and white and red all over? What? A newspaper. Okay. Now, that's a pun on the word red. No, R-E-A-D versus R-E-D. Well, that's so what the I, point is, is that there's no, no, no pain involved. But that's my point, is puns are the exception to that, right? Mm. Right? Puns... Oh. Puns are not painful, unless you think of the groan. But right. uh, so, so all other humor is based in, on mm-hmm, pain. Mm-hmm. Well, Mel Brooks uh, once said that uh, a man falling into a manhole is not funny, but a man falling into a manhole and breaking his legs, now that's comedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I sort of agree with you, Aaron, but I think that the key here is this, that humor, actually even joy and pain, are closely related. Like uh, sunshine and rain. We, and 50 shades. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we laugh both at things that are very sad and very happy. We cry at things that are very sad and very happy. Laughter and crying are sometimes hard for us to determine which one we need to do. Uh, we laugh at inappropriate moments and we cry at, at joyful moments. So laughter and crying, we get them confused in our emotions. Uh, and the same is true with, with, with punning. We groan or we laugh. We f- view them as painful or as happy. I'm guilty of smiling at funerals. <laughs> but yeah. Actually, so I, I would like to share... And I pun at terribly inappropriate moments. Oh, no, and we talked about that in this yeah. podcast. <laughs> but, but I'd like to share... This is, this is just a hair off topic, but it's pretty great. Um, <clears throat> many years ago... My wife and I, well, my wife was driving and she cut across two solid white lines. It's totally legal. Uh, not according to the cop. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she got stopped and 
She pulled over. Now, she wasn't a very good driver in as much as she got stopped quite a bit for a lot of infractions. The thing about her, though, was that she had a disability. Actually, that was the one I was mentioning earlier, osteogenesis imperfecta, which made her short and cute. And so she never, ever got a ticket. She'd been stopped a million times, never got a ticket, and pulls over. And before the guy even showed up, she says, this is it. This is the time I'm going to get a ticket. I, oh, I, oh, it's just, oh, and he comes up and he speaks sternly to her and all that. Takes her license, goes back to his car, and she's still just, this is awful. This is, I, I'm, this is finally the time I'm going to get a ticket. Yeah, you're here, Aaron. You're not as cute as me. This is going to make things worse. And then the guy came back and he handed her her license and said, well, I'm going to let you off with a warning. Now, she broke into hysterical laughter, but <laughs> obviously inappropriate. So she leaned her head and arm against the steering wheel <laughs> so that he would think she was crying. <laughs> nice. And he did. <laughs> he was really, really concerned for her. Wow. But wow. it was such a great example of how laughter and weeping are really similar. Yes, yeah. they are. I've seen people laugh at horrible news and I've seen people cry at wonderful news and I'm sure you've all seen that so the same is true with puns sometimes people laugh at puns and sometimes they groan at puns even when they're really good puns and really humorous so the other thing is this the unexpected have you noticed that the first time you hear a joke that's just hilarious it's not nearly hilarious the fifth or sixth time you hear it. Yeah. Or so the because fifth or sixth time you tell it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you have to get new audiences that haven't heard it before. And when you get a new audience, it's just as hilarious to you when you tell it. Because you're so damn proud of yourself? Well, that's part of it. Well, because but, your payoff is the, the laughter of people yeah, who are hearing yeah. it for the first time. Correct. So Red you Skelton have to said, have... I'm laughing so hard because I know what's coming next. Yeah. Who said that? Right. Red Skelton. Yeah. He, he was always cracking himself up in the middle of telling a joke, <laughs> setting up a joke, and he excused himself by saying, I'm laughing because I know what's coming up. <laughs> but if you told that same joke to people who'd heard it 10 times, you wouldn't be laughing because you know that they're not going to laugh. So the unexpected part of it is also a very important part. That's part of what makes puns funny. Now, let me speak to that unexpected part, talking about Mel Brooks and the, and the guy walking into a manhole and breaking his leg. If the guy stops short of the manhole and says, says oh, I'm going to step over this manhole, he steps over the manhole, he gets hit by a bus. Hmm. That's, see, <laughs> Dave, <laughs> Dave's, Dave's laughing, laughing. now. <laughs> Dave's laughing now because you have anticipated that this guy's fixing to walk into a manhole. And when you, re when you realize that he's stepping over it, you think, oh, that's not, that's not funny. I don't get to laugh. At, oh, yeah, he got hit by a bus. Well, whirp, whirp. And that's a situation of, of timing, Right, yeah. so so that whole up and down. Well, and just the beautiful irony of the scene. I mean, it's just well, you expect one thing, it doesn't happen. A sigh of relief leads right into a. That's what I'm saying. That's the timing. <laughs> it's it's the, the whole setup. Um, now, and uh, so if you're if you're setting somebody up for a pun, if, especially if they know that you're fixing to throw a pun at them, uh, which they would if they know you, uh, you're setting somebody up for a pun, and they're trying to anticipate that they're playing along with you, but if they're sharp, they're going to be trying to outguess you as you get to mm -hmm, your punchline. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the beauty is, if you can get to the punchline before they do, then you win. 
if they get to the punchline before you do, hmm. they win, hmm. but they're happy because they outguessed you. Hmm. So either way, they should be appreciating what you've created here, whether you got to it first or they got to it first. It's interactive. Punning is performance art. You've made my point that as you're punning, you're actually performing, and it's an intellectual performance. You're doing it whether you're consciously doing it or not. You're using a skill that you've honed over the years, so it's become muscle memory for your brain to actually be doing that as you're performing the pun. So, audience, uh, if you find yourself at punpunpun.com or the show notes of this podcast, you'll see an email address and you are welcome to contribute to this discussion. Right now, we are going By to... By asking probing questions, such as... Is this a colonoscopy? A pun, why is a pun... No. <laughs> why is a pun funny, or why is a pun not funny? Ask us tough questions like that, and we will tackle them with this panel. And with that, we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to play Panos' most popular game, Pun Slingers. Okay, we are back, and we're going to wrap things up. Before we do, though, let's real quickly get a plug for the websites and social media and anything like that. We already found out about the puny page from David, and believe I mentioned punoff.com. Uh, and and other- don't forget Pun Intensive on Facebook. Oh, that's right. Facebook.com slash Pun Intensive. Does anybody else have anything at all? That's plug-worthy. The pun-off, of course, is May 11th, the day before Mother's Day. That's in 2019. I have something that's plug-worthy, but I'm not on a power strip, so I'm not going to tell you about it. (laughs) So we're going to head out, but not before you guys make everyone's Valentine's Day, which is coming up pretty soon, with some really good advice. So, Bill Kreider. Well, mine isn't a pun. I'm going to give you some really good advice. The two most important words in any marriage are, yes, dear. Can't argue with that, unless I was arguing that it's not a pun, but I'm not. Dave Wallace? Oh, yes. Well, if your loved one is in the tech industry, be sure to give her a Valentine gift. (laughs) David Guggenheim? Don't forget, or or always remember... One of the other, though. That, that's a good one. All right. It's, it's, it's one of those. <laughs> and Gary Halleck. Well, well known that I've been married for 42 years. My wife and I have kind of an unspoken pact that, you know, well, we have a no pun marriage is what it, what it amounts to. <laughs> uh, but sometimes I think, well, you know, I could dress up in a costume or something to surprise her for Valentine's Day. And I was like, you know, what, what could I do? I could I could really get aroused if I had a chocolate heart on. But... Uh, <laughs> uh, I probably wouldn't interest her. No. <laughs> and I'm Aaron Faisal. My advice is that chocolate-covered candies make a good gift if you have the gumption. This is me, Gary, Bill, Dave, and David signing off with a catchphrase. See you next time. That's your catchphrase?